0: Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We thank God for bringing us together this morning um, as we continue uh, worshiping Him and looking um, at His Word through the book of James. Let me take this time to welcome Ako and her mom, Zine. Um, uh, we've been looking forward to their visit for months now. Uh, I think two months. <laughs> Uh, good to see you get to know them as well um sure uh, get to know them if the mic falls uh, it's part of the the session so <laughs> we are in james chapter 5 james chapter 5 looking at verse 7 up until verse 12 james chapter 5 verse 7 up until verse 12 and we're looking at um this section of 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 the book Um, on the title, Patience in Trial. Patience in Trial. James chapter 5, this is God's word, let us hear him. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've heard, and, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. This is the word of God. Let us pray. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The glory of God thunders. The Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. Lord, it is our desire even this morning to hear your voice. Speak to us from your word. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Draw us to yourself. Let your word transform and change our lives, that you may be honored and glorified in every way. In Jesus' blessed name we pray this. And the church say Amen. Amen. Now, when we come to this passage, James is consent to set before us as Christians um, the need for patience. And you will have noticed how many times he says, brothers in this passage. He is talking to believers, unlike we, we saw last week, right? He is talking to believers who are enduring trials and he is concerned to set before us as Christians the proper attitude and frame of mind that we must have if we are going to be able to persevere to the end. He's concerned that we have the right point of focus in our lives. And if we are going to be able to respond to the trials of life in an appropriate and Christian way, we need to have this point of focus James knows that the Christian life is a long journey and that growth in the Christian life is a process. It doesn't happen overnight, right? It doesn't happen in a single point of struggle and lead to a life of unchallenged bliss, of unchallenged happiness. But in order to benefit from the process of growth and to prosper and to be able to rejoice in times of trial, we, we have to, to, to have the proper focal point in our lives. And He's consent here to share uh, that with us in this passage. He's also consent to show us things that will, that will serve as symptoms that we, we are not demonstrating the kind of patience and endurance that is necessary for the Christian life. So, in other words, we should see this um, as a as a measurement of our our spiritual vitality. We should see this as a challenge um, of of our patience and our ability to endure in in, in in persecution and suffering. When we look at this passage, James makes two arguments about patience in the life of the Christian. Two arguments about patience in the life of a, of a Christian. First, he, he makes the argument that believers, must, uh, be, believers are to persevere under trial, waiting for the return of the Lord. Believers are to persevere under trial, waiting for the return of the Lord. And secondly, patience is a daily struggle. Patience is a daily struggle. Let us look at the first one. The first argument that he makes about patience in the life of the Christian, believers are to persevere under trial, waiting for the return of the Lord. And we see this in verses 7 to verse 10. Look at what he says. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it, it, it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who, 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 who spoke in the name of the Lord. I'd like, I'd like to, to look at two or three things that he teaches in this passage here, in, 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 in this first argument that he makes. And in verses seven and eight, James calls us to live, uh, calls us to live waiting patiently for the coming of Christ. He, he calls us for, for patience, to have, to have patience even under pressure. He, he's calling on us as Christians to be prepared to wait patiently for the coming of the Lord, even in the midst of trials. Listen to what he says, he says, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. James here will teach in this whole section the Christian life is a marathon, right It's not a sprint, right it's 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 a marathon, and the finished nine is the second coming of Christ, and nothing else, not even death. Nothing less than the second coming of Christ serves as the finish line the the goal, the the focal point that the Christian is looking forward to. In verse seven, James delivers the first of the six commands. In this passage. And four of the commands in this whole passage are positive and the two other commands are in the negative. Let us observe them. In verse 7 he says, be patient. In verse 8, again he says be patient. This is the second time he uses that command, that imperative. It's the same one but he gives it again. The third one, he says, establish your hearts. Then look at verse 9. He says, do not grumble against one another. That is the first negative directive that he gives. In verse 12, the second negative directive, he says, do not swear. And then the second half of that, that verse, he says this. He says, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. So you can see that there are six commands, six directives that James gives in this passage. But, but here in verse 7, he begins with be patient, the, the simple one calling us, to a life of patience. Now, this is not a rebuke to, to impatient husbands or, or a rebuke to, to impatient wives. It is not a rebuke against impatient moms and impatient dads. And there may be a need for that, right? There may be a need for that kind of, kind of rebuke. It is there in the, in the scriptures, but it is not here. It is not rebuking people that have impatience for standing in queues. And I think many of us have, have that impatience. We, we, we need that rebuke against that impatience, but it is not here. Though it is related, we, we, we may want to address that in other passages, but here uh, it, it may be a good thing to work on what James is, is showing us. The, the kind of impatience that James is talking about. James here is talking about a bigger picture. He's talking about living a life that is looking forward to one event, right? And that event is not the achievement of our success it's not, It's not being successful that event that that's not something we're looking forward to we we're not looking forward to a life of financial independence or or, or, or we, we're not looking for vocational success and and recognition it, that, that that is not what we're looking forward to we're not looking forward to retirement where we we, we get to say i've always wanted to to get to the point where I could, I could retire and enjoy grand things and travel the world. We're not looking forward to those things. You see, it is not even the Christian desire to cross the finish line of death and have one soul ushered immediately into the presence of God while your body rests in the ground and are united to Christ. But what we're looking forward to, what the Christian is looking forward to, is the day of the coming of Christ. That is our goal, that is our point of focus. And James is saying here that we need to live in light of that focal point. It is the coming of Christ to which we are all waiting. You see, all of life is lived in light of that event. We we, we should live our lives in light of this most wonderful event, the coming. Of Christ uh, did you know that in the New Testament that the coming of Christ is mentioned over 300 times over 300 times from from Matthew to to Revelation and the, the, for every for every 13 verses from Matthew to Revelation there is one mention of Christ of, of the coming of Christ for every 13 verses from Matthew to, to Revelation do you think God has a point when he's doing that? Do you think that God is showing us something? That is, God is trying to make a point that we need to get, that we need to, to fix our mind on? And, and here, James is drawing out what he's saying here. He, he's saying that the goal for which we are aiming, the, the, the focal point of life, is looking forward to the coming of Christ. James is saying that we need to cultivate A mindset for for the long haul and we need to patiently wait for that great event the coming of Christ you see the, the, the Christian life is as one author has called it it is a long obedience in the same direction it is a long obedience in the same direction consistently focusing on Christ the direction that he's talking about the goal, the purpose, the aim Is the coming of Christ to get here. And we are to to be faithful and patient for that day to arrive. And notice here, James is is going right back to the beginning of the book and, and he's taking up the subject of the Christian endurance, right? He knew that these Christians were facing difficult times, they were facing trials, they were going through a lot. They were already in the midst of trials. Remember how he starts the book? He, he calls them to, to, to count it all joy uh, when they face all manner of trials. See, he, he, he starts by giving them uh, this kind of perspective in life about trials. And, 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 and as he concludes the book now, he goes to, back to that point and he calls them to patience. In other words, let me um, say this as a parenthesis of, of what we're saying. There are trials that you are going through in this world that will come to an end in this world right you are going through trial and then there will be a time when the trial finishes but there are also trials brothers and sisters that you will experience in this world throughout your entire life until your death and james has that perspective right james has that has that holistic perspective about trials that there are people that are um, either going to go through trials there are people that are currently going through trials or there are people that are getting out of trials and and so and so in that holistic view there are people that will go through trials and never come to 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 an end of those trials right and so james Start by calling them to rejoice in the Lord. And he ends by doing what? Calling them to a life of patience. And this patience, we're looking forward to the coming of Christ because we know that in the coming of Christ, all things will end. All the tears that we've wept, all the pains that we've experienced will come to an end. When we look at the surpassing worth of Christ, when we look into the face of Christ, when we focus in him, all these things will blare out as if they were nothing. So it's very important that we consider what James is saying about trials as he calls us to a life of patience. So he's encouraging them here. He's going back to that theme in this passage. G- James gives a very ordinary illustration at this point. He, he goes to the illustration of the farmer. Right? Now, now many of you here, or uh, some of you, who are farmers or who farmed, um, who know the life of farming, you will appreciate the clearness of this illustration. He speaks of the early and later rains. Now, in, in, in Palestine, the early rains, they, 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 they served to soften the grounds so that you could plant, right? They prepared the grounds. And the later rains made the harvest fruitful. And the farmer was totally dependent upon the yield that he would get from, from, from the Lord by providing the rains, right? So, so he would wait for the early rains that prepared the ground, the later rains that made the, the harvest fruitful. All he could do on his part was was plant and wait for the Lord to bring those rains at the right time, in the right amount, at the right place. James says it just like that just like the farmer waits on the appropriate weather for planting and harvesting and is totally dependent on God, no matter how, he, how much he works on those events. So we, we, we also must, be, must patiently endure by cultivating a fixed heart. Notice what he says in verse 8. In verse 8, he says, you too, right? After making that illustration, he says, you too, strengthen your hearts. Strengthen your hearts. He, he's calling us to fix our hearts. He, he's pointing to a determination uh, 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 to, 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 to be resolute as Christians, to, to be resolved people, to be determined people in our faith, a, a perseverance, a, a persistence in striving for the goal. The verb that he's using here is the fa- same verb that is found in Luke chapter 9, verse 51. Luke chapter 9, verse 51. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, Luke is telling us a story here about Jesus um, as he was about to go into Jerusalem in his preparation um, of his coming crucifixion and death. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we read this. This is the Bible. Say, what the Bible says. It says, Jesus set his face resolutely to go to Jerusalem. Right? He knew what was coming. But the Bible tells us he set his face resolutely. He was determined against all us to go to Jerusalem. That's the same word that James is using here. That, that you are to set your heart resolutely. That you are to strengthen your heart. You are to fix your eye on the goal of the coming of Christ. You are to, to focus on that goal. Just like Jesus fixed his eye on the work of, 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 of the cross and the, uh, of, of the cross, his death and burial and, and resurrection at Jerusalem, and you are to continue to go that long obedience in the same direction. You are to be fixed, you are to be, to be defined by that long obedience in the same direction. And James's point uh, here. He points out that the, the whole of life is to be lived in light of the Lord's coming and in, in patient resolved uh, uh, as we prepare for the day. James knows that you don't drift into holiness, right? You don't automatically become holy. Well, holiness is not a spontaneous thing that happens to you. No one ever wakes up in the morning and all of a sudden they are holy, Right? You don't accidentally stumble into holiness. Holiness is grown into. You grow into holiness. It needs to be cultivated by patience and by the purpose of God. And so in this passage, James is orienting us to, to be prepared for, for the long haul, to be prepared for, for trials, and to be aiming for the coming of the Lord. You see, James's doctrine of the Christian life is a doctrine of process and growth, right? Holiness consists of process and growth. James knows that we don't become like Jesus overnight, right? Yes, we come to Christ and we are justified, but there's a process of what? Of sanctification, where we are being made holy. And in that holiness, brothers and sisters, I don't know if this is my experience alone, in that holiness we stumble and fall, right? We we meet trials and we meet difficulties. We we, we have victories over sin and we are defeated by sin. There's this process that God is working in our lives. That is why Jesus Christ, in, in in his prayer that he teaches to the disciples, he, he, he says in the, in the end of that prayer that we should pray saying to the Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When we pray that prayer, we recognize that the life of the Christian is a life of war. There are so many things that are, 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 are trying to undermine the faith of the believer. There are so many things that are trying to undermine the process that God is doing in the life of, of the Christian. And sometimes, they succeed in doing so. Sometimes, we become deceived by sin, don't we? But we repent. We confess our sin. And continue to look towards the goal that we should be looking towards to. So James shows us here that the Christian life is process and growth. He knows that we, we don't become like Jesus overnight. He, he knows that there is no definitive experience that we can have over a span of 15 to 20 minutes that will then reorient us so that we, we never have uh, another struggle in the rest of our lives right in fact when you listen to a 30 40 minute sermon it doesn't mean that immediately your life will be transformed to holiness you might be you might you might be encouraged you might be convicted to live a holy life but it doesn't happen immediately right in fact what I've what I've what I've seen about preaching is that preaching is like Turning on the lights in a room full of rats. Right? Preaching functions to encourage and to expose sin. And when 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 sin is exposed, that's where the one another's come, right? Bear each other's burdens, confess sin to one another, right? forgiving one another, all these one another's coming into, the, in, in, into this gospel community where we are, uh, we, we are discipling one another uh, and, 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 and teaching one another and helping one another to follow Jesus, right? That's why it's important that we be connected as a family. That's why we, we need to have a life on life. Uh, 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 we need to have a family on family. We need to have a one-on-one um, relationships here in the church. Because what that does is that it, 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 you, you recognize that I cannot walk this Christian walk by myself. Right? That, that, that we, we need to recognize what Paul Tripp says. That the Christian walk is a family project. It's a community project. We walk together. We run together. We bear each other's burdens. We, we confess sin when sin has overtaken us. We repent from sin and rejoice in what God is doing in other people when God is working in them. The Christian life is not a life of isolation. We are not called to be islands on our own. We are called to run together. So, so, so James makes the first argument, and he shows us in this first argument that believers persevere under trial, waiting for the return of the Lord. And secondly, James shows us what we need to, 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 to admit to ourselves. He shows us that patience is a daily struggle. Patience is a daily struggle. Look at what he says from verse 9 to verse 12. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job. You have seen and have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. But let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now in these verses from verse 9 to verse 12, he he talks about two symptoms that show that we actually struggle with this kind of patience and endurance. In verses 9 through 11, he speaks about complaining and criticizing and quarreling against uh, brothers and sisters. And he says, do not complain. Do not recriminate others. Do not, in other words, do not, do not quarrel with others. Do not criticize. Do not blame the brethren in the midst of your trials. Uh, you see what he's doing here? He's showing that we, we are not showing the kind of Christian patience that he's calling for in verses 7 and verse 8. We, we're not showing this kind of patience if, if all we do is grumble against our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's not surprising that one grand temptation and trial is to pick on others. Right? You know you're going through a hard time and it's easy to look for somebody else to blame. And so often that people we target are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We say things like, uh, you know, we, we, we blame them. Uh, somehow, and and we point out their deficiencies, Uh, 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 they they didn't minister to me um, in in the way I wanted them to, to minister to me in the midst of this trial, and they didn't do this, and they didn't do that. And suddenly, what our words are doing, they are sowing seeds of discord, seeds of division. They are fermenting Division in the community that Christ has purchased with his own blood. And James says here, simply don't do it. Because again, Christ is coming. He, he keeps going back to this reality of the coming of Christ. We, 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 we don't do this because Christ is coming. He's, he's the judge at the right, um, he's, uh, right at the door. In other words, what he's saying is that don't let the judge walk through the door right where that critical word is coming out of your mouth against the brother and sister in Christ. You know how it is, right? You are just about to say it and you are uh, and around the corner. There they are. You're about to talk about them and they're about to get in. What happens? Immediately, you stop talking. And if if you don't see them and they are behind you and, and you are talking to someone who's looking at you and they start making signs now, right? You say, stop it. So James is saying here, don't do that. Don't let the Lord walk in the door while you are criticizing your fellow sister or brother in Christ. And instead of destructive speech, which disrupts the fellowship of God, he says in verse 10 and 11, Consider the prophets and Job. They endured suffering with their speech. They, they endured suffering in their lives. What did they do with their speech in the midst of suffering? They edified others. Right? It's amazing when you visit someone in a hospital bed and you have all these verses in your mind, right? All these You've memorized these verses, and you're going to read this one and that one, and you sit down with them and start. You want to encourage them, and they start to encourage you in the midst of their trial. And you're like, "What?" We we learn from these uh, the prophets and Job. We learn three things from them. Look at verse 10. First of all, we learn that we ought to expect we we ought to expect to experience suffering, which requires patience. We we are to expect it. Right? We are not to be surprised by it. In verse 10 he says, As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophet who spoke in the name of the Lord. James is saying this is the norm for the Christian life. We, we ought to expect these kinds of trials which demand endurance, which, which demand patience in the life of the believer. Think of it this way. All right, let's, look, let's look at one prophet, Daniel. If Daniel had not been exiled and deported, we would have never heard about him. If Daniel had not been thrown into the lion's den, we would never have heard about him. If Daniel had not been challenged to become worldly and compromise himself in the Babylonian court, we would never have heard of him. But because he went through those trials which required endurance, he encouraged us, right? We look at the endurance that he experienced when he was castrated and made a eunuch from the age of 17, meaning that he will never, ever get married. But he continued faithfully serving the Lord in the midst of that, of that trial. He continued to endure. He continued to be patient before the Lord. Secondly, we learn here, James is saying that there is blessing and happiness in the exercise of patience and endurance. Look at what he says. He says, we count those blessed who endured. We count them blessed, right? In fact, this is parallel to what he says in, in James chapter 1, verse 12. Let, let us look at that um, a bit. He says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast, under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him, right? And James is showing us here that there is blessing and happiness in the exercise of patience and endurance. God blesses those who patiently endured. we, We look at Daniel and we look at his heart in the midst of heartbreak and we say, Lord, I wish I could be like that. We we look at brothers and sisters who are going through trials, who are going through difficulty that we can't even comprehend. And we see them going through it nobly and with faith. And sometimes to ourselves we mumble up a prayer and we say, Lord, I wish I could be like that. Why do we do that? Because there's blessing in enduring during trial. We see the character it produces. We, we, we long to have the character that is produced. That the blessing which results from trial and endurance. We, we, we long to be like that. We long to have our faith strong like that. Thirdly, there's a purpose in, in trials and, and that demands endurance and patience. There's a purpose in trial. In other words, as, as, as Jerry Bridges say. God does not waste pain. God does not waste pain. Look at what he says in verse 11. We, we, we've heard of the endurance of Job and we've seen the outcome of the Lord's dealings. Right? You remember at the end of the book of Job, in Job chapter 42, verse, verse 5, um, Job, after experiencing uh, the Lord's hand uh, on him. He, he he says to the Lord. He says, "I've have, I've have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Right now, my eye sees you. In other words, God had revealed Himself in an extraordinary way to to to, to Job. And notice here that the outcome of this endurance is not simply character building, right? But it is a sight of the living God in his mercy and compassion. What God does in the, by trials is not just to build our character, but it is to show us who he truly is. Job didn't come through the experience with more character, with refined character, but he came through this experience with more experience of the living God. He knew God more than he knew him before. He knew God in a way at the end of that experience that he did not know him at the beginning. James is saying here, look at the prophets, look at Job, and and you learn about these trials. Learn about these trials by looking at these people. And so instead of criticizing our brothers and sisters and complaining, and instead of of, of quarreling against our our brothers and sisters in the midst of, of, of our trials, we must remember Job. And realize that even in trials, God intends blessing for his people. Right? And then finally, it seems awkward in verse 12. Verse 12 seems awkward. It's it's the the preacher's worst nightmare. Look at verse 12. You you might be scratching your head and saying, "I, I don't get why verse 12 is there. What do oaths have to do with trials and patience and endurance and suffering? Why in the world would James say, above all my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath? What does, what does that have to do with anything at all? Well, uh, you know that in James and Jesus' time, there was a tendency to, to use oath to, to get around commitment rather than to, to reinforce it. Right? So people would make a commitment, and, and, and so without intending to reinforce that commitment, to follow through with that commitment, and they would make an oath to, to, as if to say, "I'm going to, 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 to make it." Right? And so James, like Jesus is, are taking that kind of, of usage of oaths. But you might be thinking again, here, I still don't get it. <laughs> I still don't get it. Why in the world would James bring this up, especially? here. James here is talking about living the Christian, the Christian life as a, as, a, as a focal point on the coming of Christ. But, but the question still remains, what does oath-taking and evading speech have to do with this? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think it is possible that James could have had in mind the oaths that Peter once took about how faithful he, he will be to God and how faithful he was going to be to Christ. He, he in other words, what James is showing us, by showing us that patience is, is difficult, uh, it's a, is a difficult thing and, and we, we should not make oath. He's showing us that we should not trust in ourselves. We should not beat our chest and say, I'm going to make it by myself, right? I'm going to stand strong. Uh, what James wants to show us here he he wants to show us that we are weak and we should not rely on our strength right that we should rely on the strength that God provides Peter said to Christ when when, when Jesus was saying one of you will betray me he said I I will not betray you I'd rather die with you I'd kill for you but when time came when the popo hit the fan he was denying him. Right? In our own strength, we cannot do this. That's why when Paul was experiencing the, the most difficult trial and he prayed three times and, and Christ came to him and, and the thorn did not, was not removed, Christ came to him and said, My grace is sufficient. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Right? So James is saying the strength to endure, the strength to be patient, is not in you. It is not in you. In other words, patience is not manifested by grand verbal promises, but by quiet talk that follows through. Right? It does not end with the mouth. The mouth must follow the feet. Our patient endurance in this world, in the Christian faith, is not not shown by big verbal commitments we make, but by endurance under trial. Now, some of you are enduring ongoing trials to this day. Some of you are about to go in trial. Some of you are currently going through trial. And some of you are about to leave those trials. On a regular basis, you wake up in the morning and have to face the challenge of putting one foot forward. Right? One foot in front of the other and just going on. And I can't imagine a more comforting words and more challenging and strengthening and an applicable word than the word that James is speaking to you today under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that you, my brothers and sisters, are to be patient and wait until the coming of the Lord. Amen. Our dear Heavenly Father, by nature we are not patient. That's why, Lord, in your word we are shown that patience is is a fruit of the Spirit. It is something that is given to us, something that we cultivate in the faith that you have, you have graced us with. We pray that we will grab hold of you, O oh Lord, in the midst of our weaknesses, in the midst of trials, in the midst of the pains that we face, that we will endure to the end, holding to you encourage and comfort our hearts oh god so that we may look to you in jesus name we pray amen